you're wondering whether Jesus can really be trusted are not things that have to be hidden because you're watching a a Christian sermon or a, a podcast later or you're participating in a worship service. No, they are welcome. And we see this even in the life of the man who wrote this gospel, this news about Jesus. The good news about Jesus Christ begins when we begin to grasp who he really is. What you believe about Jesus will change everything you know about yourself, your world, your destiny. Welcome to our series on the Gospel of Mark, Son of God. Well, welcome to part two of our series called The Son of God as we look at the Gospel of Mark together. I hope that last week, if you were with us, you had a chance to think through, to wrestle through, to talk through some of the discussion questions that we had, particularly the second one. And um, just if you need a reminder of what that question was, it was this, what would a person who believes Jesus is the Son of God do with that understanding, do with that knowledge? And implicit in that is the idea that The things that we really believe in are things that will affect our lives. We will do things because we believe in them. Uh, If we are a sports fan, if we believe in the Bills and we think that the Bills have a chance to make the playoffs and maybe even be a Super Bowl contender, then we're going to watch the Bills games. If we call ourselves a Bills fan, then we're going to watch the Bills games. If we say that we're a fan of reading, then we believe in learning from podcasts, then we're going to find time to have podcasts in our lives. So what does it mean to believe in Jesus as the Son of God? How does that translate into our lives? Because sometimes Christians say they believe in Jesus, And then there's not a real demonstration of things that they do in order to demonstrate that they believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I remember um, uh, one time I was at a training for Crosstalk Global. Uh, Crosstalk Global is a Christian ministry that uh, trains biblical communicators all around the world so that every culture can hear God's voice. We we help people uh, learn how to preach who may not have access to a Western education to get to seminary, to fly over here, and to teach their people God's word. And so we go to them. We go to them online. We go to them in person, and we, we help train them. And one of the trainings that we had as instructors was how to uh, teach adults. How does adult Christian education work? How does adult education work? And part of our assignments during that week of training was that we had to give a seminar using some of the things uh, that we had learned. We were divided up into teams and had partners, and we had to give a talk. I don't remember specifically what the purpose of our talk was, but I remember this introduction. What we did was that we had a discussion where I was saying that if you want to uh, be healthy, then you have to eat well. 
And what my partner did was hold an entire tray of sweet treats, donuts, cannolis, cookies, etc. And he was, the whole time I was talking, saying that this is something that everyone needs to do is have a healthy lifestyle. That means they have to eat healthy. He was holding up one of the donuts, holding up one of the things, and he's just like, absolutely, that's me. You're describing me in a nutshell. And he's just stuffing his face with all of these donuts. And he said, uh, as I turned and looked at him, I said, why are you eating all of those things? Well, I like them, he said. But those aren't healthy foods. He goes, I know. But you said you believe in a healthy lifestyle. I do. And of course, the room is just laughing because of just the silliness of the fact that some people say that, oh, I absolutely believe in that. That's something that I firmly believe in 100%. But then, of course, they do something that demonstrates that they actually don't put it into practice. And isn't that the nature of belief? The nature of belief in itself is that it automatically translates into action in our lives. Belief is not just something that's intellectual. Belief is not just agreeing with a fact, but a belief, a core belief, is something that we will do everything we can to put into practice in our lives. So, what does belief in Jesus as the Son of God look like? Well, I think Christians sometimes struggle with this. And we're going to take a look at a passage at the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark that really helps clarify that for us. If you have a Bible with you, turn with me in them and take a look right back to the very beginning of the whole Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. It's there we read that this is the beginning, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John? John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You know, if you were a a first century Jewish person, to have someone appear like John the Baptist would have just screamed that he fit the mold of an Old Testament prophet from long ago. There had been a period of history where God had not sent a prophet, had not spoken through a prophet for 400 years, and now a prophet was clearly arriving because prophets had a tendency to do wild and crazy things in order to get their message across, but also because that's just kind of the mystique that built up around them. They were kind of outliers. And John really fit that description. He had crazy clothes. He ate crazy food. I mean, I don't think that 
camel hair is in this year for the fall season. I do know that donuts have a more likelihood of being eaten and consumed than locusts. Wild honey I could get into, but I'm not so sure about the other parts of his diet. So he was really an outlier, and he was preaching a message to get ready because God was coming. The Lord is coming. You need to get ready. You need to repent. And the way that you showed this repentance was to go be baptized. And John baptized many people in the Jordan River. And that's an interesting step because to me, baptism is one of those things that you really have to say, I'm doing this. I'm intending to make this step. It is clear. It is a clear declaration. I think that's why we still practice baptism today is because it's a clear step of declaration that you are intending to believe in Jesus, that you're putting your trust in him. And, you know, let, let's face it, repentance is one of those things that if the person who's baptizing you thought you were just playing games, maybe they hold you under a little bit longer and <laughs> help you out a little bit and making sure that you're absolutely repentant. And of course, John is that crazy guy, crazy clothes, crazy food. He might just be the guy to hold you under a little longer to help you out and help you repent. And his message, though, was fairly strange. He said something that probably would have caused people to wonder but also given people a reason to repent. Because he said, someone's coming who I'm not even worthy to untie their shoes. Imagine someone with that kind of of power and authority who would likely be able to peer into your life to decide whether you were were part of uh, being obedient to God and all of those questions. Boy, you wanted to get this right. You wanted to make sure you were ready. And that was the message that was coming, this, this message that someone is greater. And the way that he describes him is that he's just far more powerful. And then Jesus comes. In verse 9, we read that at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Jesus comes, and there's a heavenly response that no one would forget. The Spirit comes down. Heaven rolls open. Imagine what that scene would have been like if you were there. The Spirit coming down on him like a dove and a voice from heaven declaring the relationship that God had with this person, Jesus. You're my son. I love you. I'm pleased with you. What, a, what an endorsement. I mean, we love it when our parents tell us We love you. We're pleased with you. We're so excited with what you're doing. This is what was happening in Jesus' life. And then he goes into the wilderness. That's John's territory, right? Where he's just, you know, just run-of-the-mill stuff like uh, being tempted by the devil, Satan for 40 days, lives with wild animals, is attended to by angels. Like, 
If that's just the summary, if those are just kind of the little blips of things that Jesus did, imagine what he's going to do. Imagine the the kind of power that he has. And he comes. And he does something that we don't quite expect. He comes and he replaces John the Baptist by replacing his message. Take a look at what he says in, in what we read in verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus comes, replaces John the Baptist, and updates, replaces the message. Because now the time of preparation is over. The kingdom is here. And the kingdom, well, it's actually not a kingdom that's going to change things sociologically. What the kingdom changed, what Jesus changed in the message was about accessibility. Because John's message was a, Baptist, was a uh, message of repenting through baptism. Jesus' message was a message of repent through believing that the good news is here. Repent and believe the good news. The difference is that John's baptism was a, John's uh, uh, message of repentance was be baptized. Jesus' message of repentance is believe. And to be honest, that seems kind of anticlimactic. Someone who John the Baptist was not worthy to untie his sandals. Someone who God himself gives this ringing endorsement that he's my son. I love this man. I love Jesus. And and I'm well pleased with him. And then he goes and has this just sort of Cliff Notes version, just a summary of, yeah, he had a, was tempted in uh, the desert by Satan in the wilderness. He was tempted, and he was uh, with wild animals the whole time, and angels attended him in every way. You would think he would come with a little more something, a little more pizzazz, a little more oomph, and instead he just comes and, and changes the message. And it seems like it's anticlimactic because we expect something more we expect a clearer step a clearer move i mean doesn't jesus know that if you believe in a healthy lifestyle that you're not just going to stand there and stuff donuts in your face i mean what does he mean by belief mark goes on to write In verse 16, that as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed him. 
Jesus wasn't saying that belief was some form of bland, yes, I believe you're the Son of God, and that punches the ticket, that, that gets me into the good news that the kingdom of God is near and that I now have it and possess it. He defines baptism, uh, not baptism, he defines repentance as following because that's what he describes belief as. All right, I need to change that. Okay, so we're going to come out of the Scripture and followed him. Do you see the difference? Jesus defined belief as following. The difference was that John the Baptist's uh, demonstration of repentance or of, of belief was that you would be baptized. You would take a step. It would be a one and done thing. What Jesus does is that he opens the doors wide to anyone who would continue to follow. The one is an act that is one and done and can be finished. You look back on and say, I did that. That's what an act like baptism is. I accomplished that. I did that. I took that class. I got that accreditation, etc. What Jesus is talking about is something that is ongoing. Am I following is the question. So that, yes, it seems like he made it so much easier, and yet he actually made it far more difficult because what he's talking about is the active state of the direction of your life. What is it that you're following, he says. I want you to follow me. That's what belief is. Belief is simply following. And that means that believers in Jesus don't just believe a set of facts about Jesus. They are followers of Jesus, and they want to put him at the center of all of the things that cause them to make their decisions. And he says, follow me. And that invitation is an invitation to put the mission to tell other people that the kingdom of God is near, that that's good news, that they can be a part of it, that they can be in it through simple belief, through choosing in the moment and in the moments to follow, to follow, is open to anyone. Join me on my mission to declare the good news of the kingdom of God. That's what he says. That's what it means to follow. And Jesus makes this incredible promise. He says that if you do that, if you choose to follow me and put this mission at the center and the priority, uh, the, the most preeminent place in your life, that nothing else comes before this mission, then I'm going to use you in an amazing way to help other people discover the kingdom of God, to help other people find God, to help other people come home to God. And Jesus will do all of that equipping. And that's an amazing reality. When you and I look for people to be part of a mission, we tend to look for those who have a skill set, who are already qualified, and then we call them to be a part of whatever it is that we need them to be a part of. When we're hiring people for a job or when we're uh, looking for a job, people are asking, what are your qualifications? And Jesus lowers that barrier by saying, you don't need to have qualifications. You just simply need to be willing. You don't need to be qualified to be called. 
Just answer the call. Be willing. And I will do the qualifying in you. I will make you. I will cause you to fish for people. And that is what the nature of belief is all about. It's not a belief in a set of facts about Jesus, although they are important. They have to translate into action. And Jesus took it just an even greater step than what John did. Not that being baptized is bad. I'm not saying that at all. I'm simply saying that that's a one and done event. And Jesus is saying, I'm looking for ongoing following believers are followers. And you don't have to have a certain skill set to follow. It only takes willingness to walk with Jesus and put the mission that Jesus came to live out on this earth to declare that there's good news, that the kingdom of God is near. It's nearer than you could possibly imagine and you can be a part of it. You can be in it and you can play a significant role in inviting others to come to it, to make that the central part of our lives. And for the disciples, it wouldn't happen right away. It would progress. It would develop but it would always, always happen. And that's amazing because it means that when Jesus says belief, he's not saying that, oh, absolutely, just intellectually agree with with me on some things. He's saying, no, that still has to translate into action, but it's far, far easier than you might expect it to be. Jesus says you don't have to prove anything to say your part. You just have to begin to follow. Focus on following me. Prioritize that. And I will use you to help others follow me. You know, in the church, we have set up a number of dynamics for discipleship to help people develop in their faith. And the, the failing in that is that sometimes we, use, we view discipleship as a, a check-the-box I've, I've gone through these courses, I, I, I've become these things, I've done these things, therefore I'm good. And Jesus blows the door right off of that understanding of checkboxes and says it's simply an ongoing active participation in your life every day to make the mission that he came to complete our mission as well to declare that the kingdom of God is near, that there is room for people to come home and it's easy to access because you don't have to bring a certain skill set. You don't have to bring a certain set of checkboxes in to say, I'm in. He says, believe. And the way Jesus thinks of belief, of belief, is the active participation, the active work of following. And that makes believers in Jesus followers of Jesus. So let me ask you a question this morning. Are you following Jesus? Here's a couple of questions for you as well as we wrap up today, as we talk about uh, just the nature of belief 
These will be some questions that you'll talk about in your growth groups this week. You can journal about them uh, in your journal, in your spiritual journal. Think about them in your devotions uh, or talk about them with your family uh, as we wrap up today. Here they are. Question one, how does the understanding that believers are followers act as an encouragement for Christians in their daily lives? Question two, in what ways has Jesus used you to fish for people as you have prioritized following him? For Jesus, believing is following. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the fact that we don't have to go through a set of rituals. We don't have to check off a number of boxes. We don't have to accomplish a, a number of courses or trainings or go through classes or anything like that to believe. But would you forgive us, Father, for the way that we sometimes make separate belief from action? And Lord, would you help us to remember that for you, believing is following. And would you help us, Lord, today and every day, make you and your mission our mission in our daily lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.